Hello and welcome to Clear Out. I'm your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Sahil. Today was the NBA trade deadline. It has passed, which means you can turn off your notifications for Woj and Shams until next year. How are you doing, Sahil? How are you doing after today's whirlwind of a I game? I am very disoriented, honestly. <laughs> I was just... There's a yeah, lot going on. No, I was on. going through, I went to class, kind of had my phone out the entire time, couldn't really pay attention to anything that was happening, just wanted to make sure that I understood all the details and who was going where. But uh, it, it's a fun one. N- NBA trade deadline, it's, it's probably one of the most fun transaction periods in sports. Yeah. I mean, I would say the NBA trade deadline and deadline day in European sure. soccer are two very exciting days. Um especially since you have people going from country to country trying to get trying to get their deals done in soccer. Uh, but, you know, outside of the trade deadline, there was the NBA All-Star Draft today. It looks like Team LeBron is going to go 5-0 and this year. Um, so, <laughs> in Cleveland. Um, and, you know, a couple of funny moments there. They actually recorded it after the trade deadline. So, uh, I would recommend going to watch that if you haven't... Uh, as uh, Kevin Durant picked Rudy Gobert with his last pick over James Harden. Yeah. Um, we definitely, talent-wise, some... James Harden would have gone before the last pick of the All-Star Draft, but clearly... Well, well, James Harden's gone last a few times, actually. Not last in the entire draft, because he was a starter before, but last as a starter. So I, I, he is kind of burning some bridges, sure. which you know, we'll, we'll talk about here. Um, so why, why don't we start with the biggest trade of the day, the one that's been rumored for the last few days. The Brooklyn Nets are trading James Harden, breaking up their big three of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant after just 16 games played together. They're trading James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Jumrand, and two first-round picks, uh, uh, 2022 unprotected first-round picks, so they'll for, for sure get their uh, the Nets pick. Or uh, sorry, the Nets will for sure get the the Sixers pick this year, and a 2027 protected first round pick. What are your initial thoughts on this trade? Uh, well, there's a lot. There's a lot here. I think that I generally like it for both teams. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, just and, and that's factoring in kind of Harden's mailing it in the past few weeks and just his it seemingly wanting out. And he didn't want to say that he wanted out the entire time. Apparently, I don't. I don't know what he did, but obviously not a good look for James Harden to kind of force his way out two years in a row on the same contract. Um, but I, given that, given that James Harden was not going to show up and give it his all, I think I like it for both sides, um, and I think that it's going to be good. To hopefully, see Ben Simmons play basketball again. I think this could be the best fit for him out of like any team and James Harden and Embiid. I mean, that's going to be one of the most dangerous pick and rolls in the league. I think. Absolutely. And I think what's great for the Sixers is they didn't have to give up, uh, Maxi or, uh, Tybal, um, which I think, you know, are two pretty for important sure. pieces for them. Um, so the fact that Maury was able to hold on, to Daryl Morey, the, the Sixers GM, was able to hold on to those guys, I think is really nice for them. Uh, and, you know, obviously this just makes him so much better because Ben Simmons was a literal zero right. this year. Um, so, you know, they it's a huge, huge upgrade for them. Uh, and, and, you know, credit to Daryl Morey for keeping Ben Simmons as long as he did. You know, a lot of people thought he should have traded him for Malcolm Brogdon or Buddy Heald over the summer. Um, so credit to Morey for holding on to Ben Simmons and getting James Harden out of it. And you alluded to the fact that, you know, James Harden was mailing it in. Uh, There was a tweet from Woj this morning basically saying that he wants to be traded, but he's not going to officially ask for a trade request because he's afraid of how that might look, (laughs) which doesn't make a whole lot lot of sense to me because... It's too late, James. It's too late. (laughs) Yeah, it's too late. And uh, there's, there's a great article on uh, foxsports.com by uh, Jerome Weitzman. It's called James Harden-Ben uh, Simmons Deal, the whole story behind the trade. And there's a little excerpt here uh, that says, um, the Nets started losing games. Harden seemed off all season, both during games and with his comments after them, and was growing frustrated with the situation in Brooklyn. 
He wanted everything catered to him the way it was in Houston, especially the offense. Kevin Durant and head coach Steve Nash disagreed. Both wanted the Nets' offense to feature ball and player movement, and Harden, upon being rebuffed, ducked into his shell at times, according to sources, and even criticized teammates and coaches to NBA insiders sitting courtside at games. So, you know, not a good situation. You know, I think James Harden is going to, frankly, you know, be remembered as as a player that... uh, undermine his team to get out of bad situations in some cases Um, not even bad situations with chris paul like exactly (laughs) yeah i mean this is not a bad situation when these three (laughs) players have been on the court i'm sure we've all heard it 13 and 3 and they've destroyed teams so i mean i get his frustration at kyrie irving's vaccination status and that preventing them from all being together but all he had to do was really just be patient for kevin durant to come back from this injury and i mean this I mean, this is a this is a great situation. I mean, he got traded to, I guess, another good situation. And yeah, like you said, I mean, the patience from Daryl Morey really paid off. I, if you would have told me a few weeks ago, or imagine over the summer, uh, when the fallout with Ben Simmons happened, you, hearing that they would be able to trade for James Harden and not give up Maxi or Tybal or more than two first round picks, like that that is that is pretty impressive that they were able to pull this off and. We always thought that Daryl Morey and James Harden might have might reunite like this, but it 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 just it was it came out of nowhere the past couple of days that it was actually going to happen, and yeah, it's it's one of the one of the biggest trade deadline trades we'll probably ever see. Yeah, I mean credit to Brian Windhorst for kind of breaking the story um, and sticking with it. Uh, you know, there were some reports yesterday. I think Woj came on in uh, SportsCenter and basically said it probably wasn't going to happen. So, um, you know, it is really interesting that this new dynamic of, like, stories needing to be broken first, uh, I think, honestly, I mean, we're not going to talk about that, but it's just a really interesting dynamic that we see on Twitter right now. Um, from, from a Nets point of view, obviously losing James Harden is not great. But like you said, I think this is a decent fit for Ben Simmons. He provides them with some defensive cover that, frankly, they haven't had for the past two years. Um, he is their best defender, uh, if, uh, assuming he comes back and, and plays. Uh, Seth Curry, you know, he's just a, a great shooter. Andre Drummond, I mean, he's a body. He's a guy, like when you're playing against the Oh, yeah, or, he's, he's been playing well uh, this year, but definitely that yeah. would diminish in the playoffs for sure, yeah. Right, right. But, I mean, they, they haven't had a real center. I mean, they had DeAndre Jordan, but they haven't had, like, a real center um, to stop, you know, Giannis or, or a player like Embiid. I don't, I mean, I doubt Drummond will actually play that much in the playoffs, but, um, you know, I mean, he could maybe be useful. And, you know, the two first-round picks as well. So, um, I think, like you said, it, it works out for both sides. Um, we'll see how Ben Simmons plays this year I'm, I'm i'm very interested to see how he fits in with that team uh and he's just going to have to you know come to terms with the fact that he's not going to be the ball dominant player in in brooklyn either um and i think that'll be i think that it will be an adjustment for him um but i'm, I'm excited to see you know i i i was very mad i mean i did not like ben simmons frankly um but I'm actually, I'm happy for him. I'm excited to see if he can thrive in this type of situation. Because, you know, he, he does have a lot of upside, and he's an exciting player to watch when he is confident and playing well. Absolutely. I, I think this is the situation you want to be in. You've got two of the best isolation scorers the game has ever seen, some of the best half-court scorers the game has ever seen. So in crunch time, no, you, you shouldn't have that much responsibility. The ball doesn't need to be in your hands anymore, and he's got to embrace that, like you said. And he's gonna he's got to help them push in transition. Last year, they were the Nets were the best team in transition, and they were the best offense in the league. And I think if he can get them going in transition and combine that with those half court dynamite scores that they have, you know, at least at, uh, uh, at least uh, on the road when Kyrie Irving can play, then I think um, you know they have the potential to really get. Not not to that offensive level that they were at last year, but still be a top three, four offense in this league. And, you know, I think lineups with Katie at the five can work now in a lot of matchups since you still have that length with Ben Simmons. It allows them to, to play around with a lot of different lineup combinations. And I think it was kind of strange that they parted with DeAndre Bembry, who's 
almost played, you know, more minutes than a, almost all of their players other than their stars this year. So I think that they're okay to part with Bembry since he, Bembry's responsibility was guarding opponents' best wings and such, and Simmons will be able to do that now, but he'll be able to plug some of those holes. But it was kind of strange that they did that. I, I, they're targeting someone in the buyout market, presumably. Uh, we'll see what that ends up being. But right now, if Joe Harris can come back, you've got Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and then a question mark, kind of depending on the matchup. I mean, I say kind of depending on the matchup, but there's not someone super comfortable you feel putting there. I mean, maybe if you can get away with Patty Mills, then you've got a bunch of offense on the court there. But if not, it'll be interesting to see what Steve Nash goes with. But I think it gives gives them a lot of options. But Simmons is going to... I think after all of this, after, after sitting out for this long, I think he's going to be able to hopefully realize that he's going to be super important for this team defensively, screen setting, pushing in transition. But in the half court... It's not your job to score. They've got guys who can do that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the report is they're waving Bembry to create roster space for this trade. Uh, so right, right. I don't know if they can even get anyone on the buyout market, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, Bembry was a useful player that I think still would have been useful, especially since Simmons is not playing. I mean, he's not going to start playing next week. Uh, the reports are, you know, he's going to take his time to ease his way back in. Um, and, you know, that's probably the best for everyone. Uh, but Brooklyn does need to win games now. <laughs> I Absolutely. mean, they are on, they're on a huge losing streak. So, you know, they've, they've lost their only healthy superstar that's going to be playing. Uh, and they've lost a really important defensive piece. And who knows where Joe Harris is. Um, so I... I it, it might get pretty dark for the Nets for the for the next few weeks until it gets brighter again. You're right. Um, the, but, the fit, certainly, you know, that we're talking about is quite theoretical, considering one player is a part-time player and one player hasn't been on the court in, <laughs> in uh, what, uh, like a year? Not a year, but like eight months at least. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. They, they have things to figure out, and it's going to be a struggle. I believe they're in the play-in right now as we speak, or in, either in the sixth or seventh seed. So they got to win games, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, they're in the eighth seed, wow. actually. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, they're only two games above the ninth seed. I don't think it's unreasonable for them to be, you know, especially if the Hawks keep winning. I mean, it's not unreasonable for them to be tenth by the time these players come back. Obviously, I don't think they'll stay there for the entire season, but it is kind of difficult to see how they're going to win games in the short term. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant on the All-Star, during the All-Star draft today said he had no update in terms of a timetable on his injury, but uh, he is feeling a little better. So uh, Durant forthcoming as always. <laughs> um, really so, able to keep so, a straight really, face. He, he is... <laughs> <laughs> no, he's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, that was the second time Ernie asked him. The first time Ernie asked, do you have an update? And he literally just said no. <laughs> and then the second time he said there's no timetable. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult for Brooklyn, I think, in the short term. I mean, I guess they technically, they do have Kyrie during away games. Um, so they might be able to win some of those. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think long term... Well, long-term in, in the sense for the rest of the season, this is a really good trade for both sides. Probably the best that, that Brooklyn could have done, trading Ben Simmons. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know if it necessarily makes Brooklyn better, but uh, I, I it doesn't it doesn't make them... It's not as bad as it could have been, I guess is what I'm trying the to say. The long-term um, view of it is much better because you've got a player, you know, on a young player, relatively on a contract for the next four or five years, and you're, you're, you don't have to pay a 50, hardened $50 million for the next four years, who's probably going yes. to decline, so, yeah. And they get first-round picks. No, we, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Harden did opt into his option next year in Philadelphia, so um, at least those are the reports today uh, that he will opt in. Um, so, no, that's true. And obviously the two first-round picks, they got Cam Thomas with their rate, late first-round pick this year, who's a, a nice player. So those those are really valuable players. Uh, and picks if they want to make trades uh, in the future. So um, you have anything else on this trade? Um, yeah, I can, uh, 
we, we can talk a little bit more about the Philly perspective. I've heard some people say, like, you know, Embiid wants to be more of a post-up player. Harden wants to be more of an isolation. Embiid doesn't want to roll as much to the basket. Harden's not going to want to play as much out of, off the ball, out of Embiid post-ups and stuff like that. But I think, generally, you know, when you have, let's say, Harden, we can still call him a top 15 player right now, and then Embiid is playing MVP-level basketball, you're going to want to get that much talent on your team, especially when you have um, pieces around them who can, you know, who, who work, like Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Tybel. I think that closing lineup of Maxi, Harden, Tybel, Harris, and Bede gives you a nice mix of offense and defense. And like, and to my earlier point, I think they're going to figure it out. They, they're, they're, I think they'll play more pick and roll because that is going to be nearly impossible to defend for opposing teams. So, um, and Embiid's going to learn to roll to the basket and get a little bit less usage, but um, I think that'll be for the better of the team. And the Sixers were already third in free throw rate, so prepare, prepare for some long 76ers games. Some long, very long, <laughs> lots of Embiid and Harden trips to the line. And I think it's also very important to keep Tybal because he's a very switchable defender, can guard one through four. And as we know, James Harden does not want to go over screens, so they're probably going to switch a lot uh, one through four. So um, I think I think it's a it's a better it's not a, a, you know an ideal fit on paper, but anytime you can you can get an MVP player or a previous MVP player, you're, you're gonna. You're going to take that opportunity. Absolutely. I'm excited for Harden and Embiid versus Drew and Giannis in the playoffs, hopefully. Uh, hopefully I think they finally be an play. exciting yeah. watch. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. Probably the second biggest trade of the day was a four-team trade. Um, the Kings are finally getting their man they've been after for about a year uh, in Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks. They're also receiving Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson from the Pistons. The Bucks are getting uh, Serge Ibaka uh, from the Los Angeles Clippers, as well as two future second-round second picks and cash considerations. The Clippers are getting Rodney Hood and Shemi Ojale from the Bucks, and the Pistons are receiving Marvin Bagley III. So uh, I think a good trade for all sides, except for the Clippers. Don't really get it. I mean, they've already been part of something, getting Norman Powell and Robert Covington. You know, they figured they right. were on the winning, the clear winning side of a trade. So, you know, might as well make it fair and just get some random players that are they're not going to play when it's important. But <laughs> For sure, for sure. We'll, we'll talk about the Kings and the Clippers in, in a bit. Um, let's first talk about the Bucs, and we'll briefly talk about the Pistons. Um, so the Bucs receive... Serge Ibaka, um, who, you know, it's it's kind of unclear how good he's going to be. Um, but, you know, a lot of people were calling P.J. Tucker washed last year before he was traded to Milwaukee. Obviously, Houston last year was a much worse situation than L.A. this year. Um, but he does provide a lot. He, he provides a center, uh, some, he pro- basically he's a five that the Bucks needed, right? They've tried Boogie Cousins. They have Greg Monroe currently on a 10-day contract, but Serge Ibaka is a big who can move and protect the rim, which neither of those guys, uh, Monroe or Boogie, could do. Uh, and he can, you know, he can shoot the three decently well as well. Um, so I think a really nice piece for Milwaukee. Obviously, Devante or Devante, <laughs> Dante. Uh, Losing him, it, it seems like, you know, maybe they didn't get the greatest value uh, out of Dante, but Dante was just not playing that well this year. Um, I, I think, you know, he's, he's going to be a free agent. I think this provides the Bucks with something they need to repeat. Yeah, I feel pretty similarly. I think Dante, you know, ideally, if you're not, you know, if these windows weren't so precious, you could hold on to Dante, you could sign and trade him, do whatever in the offseason, but... If you, and we don't know all the information about Brooke Lopez, but if he's not going to be 100% come playoff time, you absolutely need to get a center. And even if even if he's he is 100%, having just a real backup big behind Brooke Lopez and, you know, I mean, to go along with Bobby Portis like Serge Ibaka is going to really help. And I think Ibaka, if he's in a lesser role where he doesn't need to, you know, they've got other good defensive players around him. He's not going to need to really exert himself. He'll be able to ease his way into that role. I think it's... I think it's a good spot for him. We've seen him in good situations really thrive. In, um, I mean, and obviously he's lost a step since, you know, when he was part of that championship nucleus in Toronto, but 
he was super important for their defense there. And like you said, he can stretch the floor, which is something that is always going to be nice around Giannis. And um, I think, yeah, I mean, Dante, I he wasn't playing the best for the Bucks this year. I, he's always been a player that I think has some really useful skills and athleticism and is go- could fit on a lot of teams. But the Bucks had that kind of wing role pretty patched up in terms of at least who's going to be playing like crunch time. I think you're always going to prefer Pat Connaughton or Grayson Allen in crunch time than Dante DiVincenzo. So it makes sense to kind of trade in a wing for a big um, at this point. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. It's not, it's not, I don't think it'll be as much of a needle mover, hopefully um, as much uh, as PJ Tucker was last year. I say hopefully because hopefully Brooke Lopez is back starting next to Giannis come playoff ta- time, but um, I think it was a move that just incrementally helped the Bucks in their pursuit to repeat. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Dante was starting to play better the last couple of games, but since January 1st, he has a negative 10.6 net rating, which is not a perfect stat, but it's pretty difficult to do when you have, when you're playing with, you know, Giannis. Exactly. Um, so, you know, and, and like you said, the Bucks have Grayson Allen, they have Pat Connaughton, they also have Wes Matthews, um, so uh, it, it was definitely a piece that they could stand apart, I think, part with. I think also, you know, John Horst maybe is saving Bud from himself. Uh, I, <laughs> I think Bud might be very tempted to play Dante in the playoffs um, when it might not be best for the team. So um, I think overall, just a good trade. And, you know, the two, the two second round picks uh, are, are, are picks that they can use to trade in the future as well. Or just draft players like Jordan, or like Jordan Mora and Sandro Mama, Mamu Kulishevli. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, and the second team that we're going to talk about from this trade are uh, is the Pistons. They receive Marvin Bagley, Ju- or Marvin Bagley the third. I apologize. Yeah, no, I, I'm Bagley looking at that screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Marvin Bagley the third, uh, who's wanted out of Sacramento for a long time, they only had to part with Trey Lyles and uh, Josh Jackson in this deal. I think just a good deal for them. You know, take a flyer on Bagley. They're not losing much. They're not losing any of their young nucleus that they have there. Um, they obviously did keep Jeremy Grant, who was rumored to be in, in trade deals. But, um, you know, if Marvin Bagley, if he turns out to be at least decent, you know, he, he could be part of an exciting young nucleus in Detroit. Yeah, I think Cade is going to make him better, as he, as he does with a lot of his teammates around him. And I think... Um, you know, obviously, I think more than anything, Marvin Bagley just needed a change of scenery. Obviously, like his dad has wanted him out for a long time and tweets about it. Um, and I think that that uh, that stay in Sacramento had definitely run its course. But it's exciting to to see um, a role player be surrounded with a, a star level talent and see how he can um, he can maybe get a second a second win in his career moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, the Pistons are a fun watch, so um, and, and this will make them even more of an intriguing watch. All right, let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. Uh, before we talk about Dante, uh, uh, they also made a huge trade um, over, uh, when was that? February 8th, so two days ago. Um, they received Do- uh, Domus Sabonis, uh, Jeremy Lamb, and uh, Justin Holiday, and they parted with Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Um, a deal that was called sacrilegious by J.J. Redick on national TV <laughs> caused all sorts of uproar on, on Twitter. Because, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is a 21-year-old, excellent player. He's the darling of basketball Twitter. Um, on and off the and, court, seemingly. He's just a he's a great guy to listen yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, and this year without De'Aaron Fox, albeit very small sample size, he was averaging 19 points and 10 assists. Um, so, you know, a lot of Kings fans thought maybe De'Aaron Fox is the guy you trade and you, you keep Halliburton. Um, you know, it's it's tough. You know, I, I think that Halliburton might end up being a better player than De'Aaron Fox, but the Kings are clearly committed to De'Aaron Fox. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was extremely excited to add Sabonis. I was 
pissed off at this trade, honestly, for, for many reasons. One, I thought this was, what are the kings doing? Secondly, I was like, wait, Halliburton's available? Why can't, could we trade Dante for him? <laughs> um, obviously, we don't have, the Bucks didn't have anyone like Sabonis. But I think today, I'm, I'm a little bit more, especially coupled with them getting Dante DiVincenzo, who's nowhere near the player Halliburton is, but uh, he does help. Um, I think I, I'm, I'm coming around. I'm not necessarily coming around to the trade in, in the sense that I like it, but I'm not as mad about it as I was yesterday. Yeah, no. I mean, I kind of agree with that. I think right off the bat, it did seem, I, I, it seemed like people were just forgetting that you're getting a player who's been an all star before. And granted, an Eastern Conference all star who's you know not one of the best all stars we've ever had. But Sabonis is is a, is a real player who makes players around him better, at least offensively. And I think that I, I you know I don't mind that Fox and Sabonis fit. I think Fox obviously uh, in. You know, really where where they struggle a lot of times is in the half court. You know, Fox can help them in transition, but I think Sabonis is going to be great as a creator in the half court. And, yeah, the reason you don't do it is because I think Halliburton is a future all-star guy. He's on a rookie contract. He's he's he, Maybe he's even better than a future all-star guy. I mean, and not only that, I think he he's not an awesome defensive player, but he's still one of your better defensive players. And they Sacramento has an awful defense this year and has had an awful defense for a long time and Sabonis I mean he tries sometimes but you know he's not going to make your defense that much better so I I think you know in a vacuum adding Sabonis is fine to this team but the problem is is just like look at the standings right now is this really the time for you to go older and try to win now like are they even going to make the plan probably not I mean the Pelicans, I mean, I probably trust the Pelicans to play better down the stretch of this season and, and finish in that 10th seed, and then you've got you've got the Lakers ahead of them. So I think it just seemed like a weird time to make this trade. It's not that, you know, I don't think Sabonis is a great player, but I don't think he's going to he's gonna move the needle for the Kings to be, like, special. Or, 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 I mean, not even special, like, decent. So then why would you trade away one of your best young players? Like, that, that's, that's where it doesn't make sense to me. I think the fit's fine, but... It's it's just it just seems like a weird time to go to age that much up if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Sabonis is only twenty five years old. Uh, he's not That's true. like old. That's true. Um, I think you know I'm not saying you're necessarily making it sound like this, but people are making it sound like he's like thirty. <laughs> um, you know he he's a player that if he stays in Sacramento is going to be good for seven eight years. So um, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily just a win now trade. Um, but we, we have seen, we have seen Sabonis get played off the floor by other great bigs. Um, I think that is a little bit worrying. Uh, you know, he did make his debut last night, uh, one day after his trade, he, he scored 22 points and had 14 rebounds and five assists and a win over the Timberwolves. So, you know, I mean, he's going to do that for you. He's going to give you, you know, 20 and 13, um, and He's a good player, like you said. I think that that's definitely getting lost. What do you think about Dante filling the role of Tyrese Halliburton? Yeah, I think Dante, I kind of like him in a low-pressure scenario where he can work on his game, maybe work on his his ball handling and creation a little more. Like, he's never going to be, like, a, you know, a primary playmaker, but maybe, like, a secondary, tertiary playmaker. I could kind of see him in that role. Like, he just makes really bad passes, but I feel like he has the... He has that like the handle and the athleticism to like get downhill. He just needs to kind of the game just kind of needs to slow down a bit for him. And you know he's always just gonna be he's gonna make pl- hustle plays on defense. He's gonna he's gonna get he's gonna help you get boards and he's gonna hopefully turn into a solid three point shooter consistently. And I think that could help around Fox and Sabonis. The funny thing about just like now that I'm thinking about it, is like people were trying to split up Sabonis and Turner for so long, right? And then, but Kings have a perfectly competent center in Rashawn Holmes as well now. So if Sabonis, you know, I mean, if Sabonis is going to work better, work best with shooters out there, and one of your best players is a center who can't shoot, it's it, it's going to, it might bring some similar problems. And, and obviously if Sabonis is your, your best player, like you can't not play him in key matchups. And I think, like you said, when he when it's when he doesn't have good matchups, it can really go badly. Then it's a problem when you have to put your best player out there, and he can be a liability like that. So, um, I feel like I'm I, I didn't plan on being as negative as I've sounded, but 
I, it's, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it because at the end of the day, I get they just have to do something. You know, like they've been so bad and so lost for so long. They got to try something to like win a few more games, and I understand that. But it's uh, it's uh, yeah. I, I get why Kings fans are so heartbroken about Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, and he, you know, like two weeks ago, he was like, I want to change the culture in Sacramento. (laughs) You know, I want to stay here and win. Um, So, you know, it is definitely unfortunate. You know, you talk about Rashawn Holmes and and the spacing, you know, Darren Fox is not necessarily known for a shooting prowess. Dante is not. I mean, he shot really well last year, but he's not. He's a very streaky shooter, uh, and he's not someone you fear behind the arc. Um and, you know, uh, we'll see We'll see what it's like. You know, I just realized that they're going to have to remove or adjust the banner on the side of Pfizer Forum, <laughs> the history made banner, because um, Dante's no longer a buck. That's, That's kind of sad. Um, but why don't we talk about the Pacers side of it? Uh, receiving, I mean, a backcourt of Halliburton and Brogdon, I think, is very exciting. Uh, it's just such a good backcourt. And... Um, you know, they're also getting Buddy Heald, who I'm not that crazy about. But two really nice pieces. Uh, they do hold on to Miles Turner. Do you think this will lead to them winning, making the play-in possibly this year? Uh, no, I think that it can provide maybe a solid foundation next year. Uh, yeah, I do like that Halliburton-Brogdon um, backcourt. It's very big. It's very. It, it can potentially be pretty switchable. And a Halliburton, I think, um, has some more natural playmaking instincts that Brogdon doesn't, which can, I think, uh, help them going forward. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Buddy Heald, I think, yeah, he'll be, I mean, he's not, you know, not a good defender, can sometimes uh, cost his team meaningful possessions, but I think, in theory, if Rick Carlisle can channel him in the right way, he could be a weapon. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think this was... They also got a first-round pick from the Cavs by giving up Karis LeVert, who's had a pretty uneven season. So, um, overall, I think the, the deadline was was pretty good for them. Did they did they make one more move that I'm forgetting about today? Or maybe, maybe not, but... Uh, not that I can remember. Uh, well, okay, so, to be clear, they're definitely not making the play-in. <laughs> they're, they're 19 and 37. Um, but, I, I mean, I think things next year, it could be really exciting for... The Pacers really fast. You know, they have, like you said, they have the Cavs first round pick. They they have their own first round pick this year, which could be a very high lottery pick. Um, so, you know, I, I, things might turn around. I, you know, the Pacers for me for a long time, I've always been kind of like, how are they not better? Like, why are, why aren't they good? Uh, it seems like they have a lot of good players, or maybe they're just players that I like, <laughs> and I I overestimate some of those guys, but. Um, I, they 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 are also a team that just needed to do something. Uh, it seemed like they were treading water for a long time, and they just weren't very good this year. So, um, good trade for them. Uh, why don't we talk about the Karis LeVert trade, too? Um, you know, uh, Karis LeVert is going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, he provides a wing that, you know, we've been talking about for a long time. He and the second-round pick are heading to Cleveland for Ricky Rubio, uh, a lottery-protected 2022 first-round pick, which... I mean, the Cavs are making the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. A 2022 second-round pick uh, and a 2027 second-round pick. So uh, they get uh, a first-round pick, two second-round picks, the Pacers do, and Ricky Rubio, who's obviously out for the year. Um, but uh, he, this is a contract year for him, right? Uh, so uh, he yeah, won't, expiring. I believe he yep, won't be there yep. next year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I you know, I think this is a, a good trade for from an Indiana perspective. Like you said, they're getting... Levert's been uneven, to put it. That was a very nice way of putting it. Um, but also, you know, Cleveland, I think, desperately needed a wing. And Levert could be a player that, you know, I mean, moves the needle a little bit in the playoffs. Like, he, he's a player that could help you win a series that you might not have won before. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think he's definitely worth the flyer. Like, I remember he, he hit some clutch baskets in... Um the playing game in the bubble. I remember that being a lot of, like, Twitter going crazy about Karis LeVert. I think, you know, along with Darius Garland, just having another guy who can kind of create his shot, I mean, it's not always going to go in, and they're not always going to be the best shots throughout the course of a game, but 
he does have that ability to just kind of score in a pinch. And yeah, like you said, I mean, I remember you even saying this over the offseason, like they are short on wings. Um, uh, you know, I, I think Isaac Okoro, little, little, little small for, for a wing, but he, he hasn't been playing well at all offensively. And I think he's not, and that's kind of been hurting them offensively. And I think that Levert's probably going to end up um, taking his starting spot and they're just going to be a pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty long team. Like Levert gives them that, that wing presence. I mean, he doesn't, you know, he's not the best defender, but I think if he's bought in to that scheme and, you know, he's got the help around him, obviously enough help around him defensively, he can look, he can look okay. And, um, they're still quite, quite low on shooting in their lineups. And I think that's something they're going to struggle with, but I know that's a trade-off that they know about, you know, they're trading off some shooting for a lot, a lot of defense. I believe they're second in the league right now in defense. Definitely still up there. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to need to play a bit better and more efficiently. But I think it's you know he's coming off a serious injury, uh, and or I, I mean, um, and I think I think it's it's reasonable to expect that he's going to play better. And uh, you know, and I assume they might sign him. His, uh, they might sign another contract with him, and I think that we'll see what that number's at. I mean. You don't want to overpay him, but I think I I have a good feeling that he's always kind of going to be a one-dimensional player, but I think he's going to do that one-dimension a little bit better going forward. I think he has the ability to create his own shot and, and hit shots, which is what the Cavs need, some some offensive firepower. Yeah, I, I totally agreed. And I, I think justifiably Cavs fans are excited about this trade. Um, he... he He's an exciting player. He's he's fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I, I forgot to mention the Pacers did make another trade. They traded Torrey Craig for uh, Jalen Smith, which I love that trade. I think that's an incredible trade uh, for right. the Pacers. I'm a big Jalen Smith fan. Um, and the Suns get a player that, you know, they can play in the playoffs. Um, uh, interesting. You know, there, there are some players coming back from, you know, coming going back to teams they were on last year or two years ago, like like uh, Craig and, and Daniel Tice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, moving on, um, let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers and, and bear with me here. There's, there's a lot of moving parts with, with the deals they've made. Uh, the first deal they made was, uh, last week, um, they traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington for Eric Bledsoe, Justice, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second round pick via the Pistons, um, I, I mean, well, well, we'll talk about that. And I think that's a terrible trade. Um, and then um, after that, <laughs> the Blazers traded uh, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell to the New Orleans Pelicans for Josh Hart, Thomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Didi Luzada, and uh, a 2022 protected first round pick and two second round picks. And then yesterday, uh, February 9th, they, the Blazers traded um, Alexander Walker and Sadoransky, and they got Joe Ingles and some other players back. So um, they end up with uh, Joe Ingles and Josh Hart, uh, and also Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, and Keon Johnson, So and a bunch of picks. Um, but, you know, I... What... what what is your reaction to this? Is, is is this good business or bad business from the Blazers? Well, first of all, I wanna I wanna I wanna uh, say uh, nice job on. I don't know if you were looking at the screenshot, but Woj made another mistake here, calling him Nikhil Walker Alexander. So I don't know if I don't know if you were able to catch that on the fly, but Woj really is he 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 has a lot of errors in his tweets. Like like he does. He, he sometimes he has to delete a lot. He has to like quote tweet and like reply and use a lot of those asterisks uh he's uh yeah he, he's gotta he's gotta be a bit better but i'm glad i'm glad we're getting the information um well that's what i was talking about it's all about speed he's gotta be shams <laughs> no for sure <laughs> um what what is my perspective from the blazers point of view you said yeah i yeah no i mean i get rebuilding and trying to start over around dame but just the lost value that they've given up in some of these trades over the years just really hurts shipping out two first round picks for robert covington and getting basically no value back trading Gary Trent for Norman Powell, and then basically losing two trades involving Norman Powell. Um, I get some of this was cost-cutting, too. I think they were, like, going to be a tax team or something, and now they're not, but I just... I, I 
really like Josh Hart is a piece I like. He's a nice player who can play on both sides of the floor, um, and will be nice going forward. But like, I I don't I don't know. I mean, like you're not the pick. They're, they're not going to have awesome lottery odds this year, so it's not like they're gonna they're, they're likely not going to get some superstar in the draft. And they just traded a, almost all their good players. So I, it's it's just it's just tough to stomach all the value lost and it just feels like you are better off keeping some of these pieces and trading them later rather than you know trying to just get rid of everything at once and come and come back with a team that's not even really a team anymore and i don't i don't really see how this is going to make dame all that much happier like how long is this rebuild going to i mean unless they end up trading damian lillard and that's the end game here but like and they're doing a full full rebuild but like i mean this is going to take a bit to build a build a real team after what they've just done uh, at this deadline. Yeah, so the Blazers currently have an inter- interim GM. His name is Joe Cronin. Uh, he did have a press conference today, um, and he he literally said that we would have been in the luxury tax next season without many ways to improve. Um, and he basically basically said the team plateaued. But like you said, I mean, just because your team plateaued doesn't mean you trade away your good players for nothing. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, the, 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 the Robert Covington and Norm Powell trade, I think that is by far the worst trade out of all of these. That one makes zero sense to me. Like you said, they lost two trades they made previously. On top of that, those are two, I think, really nice players. Uh, Norm Powell is a really nice scorer. Robert Covington is one of the best 3 and D role players in the league. Um, and, you know, kudos to the Clippers for giving up basically nothing um, in order to get them back. A full lineup with Kawhi, Paul George, Covington, Powell. I mean, those four guys I think is really scary, honestly. Um, and who knows, maybe Rodney Hood and Shemi Ojale are part yeah, of that I think, too. Yeah, I think both Powell um, and Covington were, like, overcast in Blazers. Like, they're not, they're not, like, it, it was a flawed roster in that Covington and Powell were, like, some of their best players on the team, but... On the Clippers, when they've you know they, they've got as much talent as they do, I think they'll fit in very nicely there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Uh, the Clippers, I mean, we don't really know what's going on with Kawhi, but um, like I said, they they are I think a scary team going forward. Uh, they always have been, and they got even scarier. Um, and you know, the other trades, I, I just like did they really need to get rid of Larry Nance as well? Like, did that need to be part of the deal? Maybe for the financials, but that just seems like a lot to give up. Um, you know, they, they, they did get a first-round pick back and Josh Hart, like you said. And I guess some of those players turned to Joe Ingles, who's a decent player. Um, but well, Joe Ingles is injured, isn't he? No, yeah, Am he's I... out for the season, and I think he might be expiring. Okay. So I think that was just cost-cutting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So fair enough. Um, and, you know, they got rid of the legend Tony Snell as well. Um from a from a Pelicans perspective, uh, I also I mean CJ McCollum's a nice player. Larry, I, well actually you know how I feel about CJ McCollum. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of CJ McCollum, but I think on a team like the Blazers he actually could be decent. Um, but they also have no defense now, uh, and Larry Nance also I think a pretty nice player. I think New Orleans definitely won this trade, but I don't think this is necessarily going to keep Zion in New Orleans. Um, and I don't think it's going to make them truly competitive. Like you said they, earlier, they, they're probably going to make the plan. Uh, well, maybe not probably going to make the plan, but they could with these guys. Uh, so it makes them better, but I I don't know. What are your thoughts from a Pelicans perspective? Yeah, they've just got a lot of players. It's it's gonna it's kind of hard to wrap my mind around what their roster is now. They've got a lot of players who are not particularly good defensive players, as you were saying before. Like some of their best players now, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, C.J. McCollum. You know, Valanciunas not necessarily a stopper on that end. Um, but I think I think they yeah I think they'll definitely be good to hold on to this plan. I mean. I mean, the question more is, like, who's going to overtake them? I mean, <laughs> basically every team behind them, except for, like, the Kings are, I feel like, maybe the only team that's really going to try to push into that spot. Every other team is either tanking or in disarray, like like the Blazers that we just talked about. So I think it's it's a roster that has enough talent. Like, they should be able to put together some good offensive games for the rest of the year. And it, 
it'll be exciting to see Zion come back and at least have a little bit more, you know, help around him. And I do like the Larry Nance addition too. Um, I think that he could he could fit well in some matchups playing in the front court with Zion Williamson. Um, but yeah, I I don't I don't feel necessarily great. I think they're going to need to make more tough decisions going forward. Um, I think that they're probably going to maybe need to consolidate some of these players and try to get a player down the road. But um, yeah, but. Yeah, so I mean they do have they do have some picks I believe uh, you know of course from the Drew Holiday trade and the um, what other trade am I am I forgetting right now the Anthony Davis trade so they they've got options so maybe they can consolidate some of these contracts and get a star at some point in the future for sure uh, yeah I when the first thing that broke was CJ McCollum was going to New Orleans when you saw that did you think Brandon Ingram was going the other way because I thought for sure he was. Um, but maybe that was just me. Yeah, no, I guess the Blazers just can't get good players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think that would have been, like, I like Josh Hart, but I think that would have been really interesting. Just going back to the Blazers real quickly, um, you know, Cronin, again, their interim GM, he, he was talking about Keon Johnson and Didi Luzada, and, like, they're like, we really like these young prospects. I don't know if I buy that. He did say they created a $21 million trade exception with the Pelicans. So, I mean, that is something they could utilize in the future. Um, but I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't think that just, I'm trying to give him a little bit more credit, I guess is what I'm doing. I feel like if you were um, Damian Lillard right now, you know, I feel like you've already planted your, your, I don't what is it? Drawn your line in the sand or whatever. I don't know if that's the right expression, but he's already said so much about loyalty and staying in Portland and wanting to be a one team player that like it's hard to ask for a trade now and but like if 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 you're Damian Lillard right now and let's say you just got to erase everything you've said in the past I think he would be requesting a trade because this is not a position that you want to be in and he's he's a good enough player that you wish you could see him see him somewhere else right now but uh yeah it's 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 gonna be a tough watch in Portland for a few years I think well, you know, I I really enjoy loyalty in sports. Like, I like seeing teams keep their good players, and you know, seeing competitive balance in the league in in the league. But you know, I just I don't think if if Dame Lillard asks out, I personally wouldn't hold what he said in the past against him because he stayed for all these years and he's done what he could with what he had. Uh, he he he's done what he could with what he what he had and. Now they're just not a good team at all with besides him. So if he asks out, I mean, how can you blame him? He gave Portland a lot, and the front office consistently let him down. This is true. So, you know, you know, at this point in his career, I, it might be the prudent thing to go elsewhere. Um, no, that's a good point. So, I mean, that game against that game in the playoffs last year when uh, yeah, it was against Denver, I think when. He dropped like you know fifty plus points on like twenty something shots and was just absolutely on fire and just no one could hit a shot around him. I mean, he's done so much. He's made this team a consistent winner and unfortunately, you know, he's getting up there in age now and he's probably not going to be able to night in and night out carry them like he used to. So he probably deserves a situation where he doesn't have to do that. Exactly. Uh, moving on to the final trade we're going to talk about today. Uh, we'll talk about some other moves in, in a future podcast, um, especially with, you know, the buyout market and what's going to happen with that. Um, but the final move we're going to talk about today is the uh, Dallas Mavericks are sending Kristaps Porzingis to the Wizards for, um, well, they're, they're, they're sending Kristaps uh, Porzingis to the Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie, um, as well as Davis Bertans, uh, and the Mavericks are also get, getting giving a second round pick to Washington, so... Um, I said that very confusingly. Kristaps Porzingis and a second-round pick for Thomas Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie is the trade. Um, I look. You wanted to talk about this trade. I'm going to give you the floor. I I couldn't care less about this deal. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> even my notes aren't that exciting. I think this is to create a bit more flexibility for Dallas. Um, I could see Dinwiddie helping them, but he's had a pretty poor season. Like I, I still think he can turn into a useful player. But I do think probably that 18-19 season, that was probably an aberration with how well he was playing back then. Um, I think the... 
I think the Doncic-Porzingis pairing was always going to leave a lot to be desired and probably wasn't going to work. But, and I, and it's going to be tough now. I mean, they're going to have to go with Dwight Powell at the five in the playoffs. I don't, unless they want to go super small and I, I don't even, and try something else. But basically that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to play Powell at the five in crunch time and roll with what they got. And I don't, I think that's actually going to lead to a lower ceiling this playoffs than if they just had Kristaps Porzingis and you got a Porzingis that was playing well and hitting threes and maybe holding his own defensively somehow. And, um, uh, I, I think that, yeah, even though it's... I think it hurts the Mavericks this year, but I, I think getting off that Porzingis contract makes sense because they're going to need to pair Luka with someone else, I think, if they really want to make it make a finals run. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Bertans contract's not great, true. to be fair. Um, but uh, they're basically the same player at this point. I, I don't actually believe that. Porzingis is much better. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, Doncic-Porzingis wasn't the duo people thought they were going to be. Um, it just wasn't really working out, so I get it. Like you said, it creates some flexibility. Uh, Bertans, as you know, the contract's not great, but it's a very tradable contract in the future. Right. So, you know, that that's something that's going for them. Um, in terms of this season, I, I don't think it means much, uh, but... Uh, you know, I think I think Luca might actually get very frustrated with um, with Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, but you know, today the Mavericks did extend Dorian Finney-Smith a four-year deal, so that's good for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't have anything else to say <laughs> about this trade in particular. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely it definitely is both teams. I feel like the Mavericks. I mean, I. I don't think, I mean, they were even really fringe contenders. I think they were kind of outside of that discussion, and the Wizards are a train wreck. So not super exciting for either team, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Mavericks can do for, going forward. Like you said, Bertans is a more tradable contract, so um, they will have to find a way to surround Luka with a bit more a bit more talent. Yep, and Bradley Beal is out for the year, so their season is effectively, the Wizards' season is effectively over. All right, guys. Let us know what you think of the today's and the last week's trades. Did you like what your team did? Did you hate what your team did? I'm talking to you, Kings fans. Let us know. Uh, if you have any questions about other trades you want us to talk about, make sure you contact us on uh, Twitter at ClearOutPod. And at um, uh, you can contact us on Gmail uh, at ClearOutPodcast at gmail.com. Um, but with that, we're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time.